And that's it, folks. Election results are in. And on this day, Tuesday, 3rd of November, 2020, Bernie Sanders has become the 46th president of the United States. Karen, I can't believe what we're seeing here tonight. Bernie Sanders has won an absolute landslide, taking Texas, Florida, Ohio, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, all states that Trump won in 2016. We've seen a landslide that we haven't seen since the Reagan era. Yeah, I just can't believe that Bernie, you know, a socialist, would come in to politics and just do what he's done today. It's quite remarkable. And, um, you know, I think we're going to see a lot of changes coming in America in the next few years. Um, One of the biggest will be Medicare for All, hopefully. You know, I think coronavirus has displayed in no uncertain terms that this country does need it. It needs reform in the healthcare sector. But not only that, foreign policy, infrastructure spending, we're going to see a lot of changes there. And it's exciting times. Honestly, I think he's the man to lead us out of this crisis. Indeed, Karen, indeed. So uh, now we're going to be taking you to uh, Mr. Bernie Sanders over in uh, in Vermont at his campaign headquarters going into Bernie Sanders. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. People of America. We have done the unthinkable. All right, that's fucking enough. <laughs> so that's that's what could have been happening in two weeks. But instead, what we're going to get is sleepy Uncle Joe Biden most likely touching up a young girl. Um, you know, not proper touching up, just like touching her hair and that, sniffing, what have you, unless her name's Tara Reid, in which case he will properly touch you up. Never forget, Joe Biden is a sex offender most likely. I mean, I'm not going to come out here and say, like, you know, I was there because I wasn't. It happened in the 90s. I was uh, not born yet. Um, but I can't see a reason why his accuser would have lied. And, you know, a lot of people, there's a lot of shaming going on at the moment um, for people who don't want to vote for Biden, who are thinking of voting third party or voting in, um, or sorry, riding in Bernie Sanders on the ticket. And, like, no matter how much I hate Trump and no matter how much I think Biden would be a lot better than Trump, I could not bring myself to vote for a sex offender who voted for the Iraq war and was the architect architect of the crime bill and voted for NAFTA and has not changed any of his ways. Um, and if you think he has, then I think you're just kind of blinded by your hatred of Trump. You know, he's he's a really bad dude. But either way, I digress. Uh, welcome, guys. This is the longest intro ever. <laughs> welcome back to Party Roulette. I believe this is episode 22. Correction, that could be 23. I honestly have no idea. I'm not going to check right now because that interrupts the flow. And we're all about that Taoist mentality here. Um, yeah, episode 22. We had Elmer on the last episode. Um, good fun intellectual young neoliberal that he is uh but yeah we now find ourselves two weeks away so i'm recording this on monday evening 19th this is coming out um pretty much straight away um on the 20th two weeks away from election night and it's been a very interesting last couple weeks we had also the debate two weeks ago um where we saw biden take on trump in what many people called the worst debate in living memory, mostly because of the fact that there was two senile old men up there shouting over each other, saying nothing, 
Me and my friend stayed up to watch it, and it was abysmal. Let me tell you. I'm sure you've seen some of the highlights about him. Will you shut up, man? And Trump just there chatting absolute bags. Nonsense for two hours. I couldn't bring myself to finish watching it. It was too much, too painful. We were all there in our Bernie shirts. And we just started talking about how terrible this was. And we, at certain points, we'd be like, oh, no, no, let's, let's actually listen to what they're saying. And then we would listen for a bit, and it was waffle just nothing you know one of them would be like okay shut up shut up and then the other one would speak and it's like you're still saying nothing this isn't about you guys talking over each other this is about the fact that you guys have nothing to say and neither of you actually have any core values and this is one of the key problems that u.s politics faces is it's become so partisan it's become so entrenched in in the industry of politics in the in the money making that it's lost any kind of objective purpose. People like Biden, they're just there because they're politicians. It's their fucking job. That's what they do. They're not actually there to help anybody. People like Trump, he's just there for himself. He's a narcissist. He's you know, he's actually more of an exception to the rule. He's not a regular politician. That was one of the things that was quite refreshing about him was, you know, he he's he's shaken things up massively and he had the potential to bring us Bernie Sanders. Obviously, that's not happening now, RIP. Um, but yeah, so after that debate, Trump saw a big drop in the polls. Before then, he had been kind of holding on, doing okay. Um, the averages weren't looking too bad. But now it's it's a 10-point average difference, which is way more than it was in 2016 with Hillary and Trump. Um, and in a lot of the key battleground states, I'm looking at the stats right now, for example, Trump is down in all of them except for Ohio and Texas. Texas, he's up by five percentage points pretty solidly. Ohio, he's up by 0.5. But in all of the states which gave him the election in 2016, so the Rust Belt, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin, Wisconsin, Biden's up by 6.1%. Michigan, he's up by nearly, he's up by 7.2%. And... In Pennsylvania, he's up by 4.4%. So very sizable margins in all these states. And in the rest, across the board, he's doing very well. He's up in Florida even. He's up in Iowa even. He's up in Nevada. He's he's just up, you know. And these are all the states, except for Nevada, actually. But these are the ones which gave Trump it in 2016. And I don't think he's going to carry them. And why would he? You know, I think there's actually a lot more belief in Trump this time around that I'm seeing amongst my peers here and amongst I think establishment media in general almost certainly because he's the incumbent and we're all a bit traumatized from 2016 from underestimating underestimating him so much that now I think we're overestimating him and I'm ready to to call it to be honest I think from everything that I've seen from his campaign his strategy the reality of America right now the fact that the coronavirus the lockdown has just decimated america there's so many people who are being evicted right this second there's so many people who are living in poverty so many people who are living in unemployment in a way which we really can't understand from the european context i think from our context as europeans how lockdown has affected us is much more of a social thing much more of a psychological thing in the developing world you know we don't really think about them in the same terms anyway we don't think about starvation we don't think about people dying of thirst which is one of my biggest issues with 
the way that we've conducted ourselves in lockdown is, you know, fuck the developing world, fuck their economies. Um, but that's kind of the norm anyway. But in America, I think we have this idea of like, oh, you know, they're struggling as well, but it can't be like, you know, they're still a developed nation, the richest country in the world. If you look at the stats of how many people are being evicted, how many people have become unemployed, it's unbelievable. And people are feeling this right now. And of course, they're going to blame the guy in charge, Trump, because he has not done nothing to relieve them. You know, in the Western European nations, we've had relief packages. We've had wages nationalized. You know, here in Holland, as soon as the lockdown started, 90% of wages were paid by the government. So businesses were kept afloat. Employees were kept paid. In America, there was none of that. You know, there have been no nationalized wages. There was one relief package, I think, back in April or May. And there's been nothing since. And now you have a situation. This is one of the... One of the stories I wanted to talk about today, which is incredibly fucked up and really illustrates what I was talking about before of partisan politics and the game of politics ruling everything these days is Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi is blocking Trump's stimulus package. So Trump has laid forth a $1.8 trillion, I believe it's $1.8 trillion, maybe $1.3 Trump stimulus checks. Let me check it for you guys real quick. Uh, give me one second. Apologies for this this slight intermission in our programming today. Uh, it's just giving me numbers about the deaths. Fucking brilliant. Um, either way, one point something trillion. A fuck ton of cash. A metric fuck ton of cash. Trump put it forth. It wasn't perfect as a proposal, but it wasn't terrible either. And this is money which is desperately needed by your average American. And Nancy Pelosi's blocking it. And she's saying to the media, and there was actually a great clip of, um, what the fuck is his name? Wolf Blitzer, the CNN host with the white hair. It's called Wolf as well. It's quite fitting. Um, who's normally just an absolute robot, has nothing to say, but he grilled Nancy Pelosi, absolutely took her to the dogs. He was there like, why aren't you doing this? What's going on? Why on earth would you block the stimulus bill? And she was there and she was saying, oh, it's not good enough. They don't share the same values as us. It's just, you know, it's not quite there. It's not giving daycare to the moms and the dads. It's like, give them the money. Stop making excuses. And the real reason that people are putting forward as to why she's not giving the go-ahead is because she doesn't want to give Trump a Biden and, uh, a bump in the polls. So she's afraid that by doing this, it'll give goodwill to Trump and people will be happy they get a, a check in the mail signed by Trump, here's $2,000, whatever it may be. And people will look at that and go, okay, Daddy Trump got my back. Oh, I, 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 I'm a vote for him now. She's afraid of that. And some of you might be listening thinking, oh, that's a good reason. That's not a good reason. People are literally dying in America right now, the richest country in the world. People cannot make ends meet anymore, and their relief is being blocked because of partisan politics. And the thing is as well is that for this stimulus package to to go through, it has to be submitted by Trump. Approved by the House, that's Nancy Pelosi. She's the head of the House and the House Democrats. She controls all of that. 
And then it has to be approved by the Senate. And the Senate is controlled by the Republicans, by Mitch McConnell, who is notoriously one of the most evil men in the world and responsible for all this, in large part, for all the money in politics that we see nowadays and how it has just become a business. If Nancy Pelosi passed this stimulus package in the House, then the onus would then be on Mitch McConnell in the Senate. And she'd be able to say, don't look at me, look at Mitch, look at fucking Mitch, look at Mitch. And Mitch would probably do it in the next two weeks. He'd do it because he would want to give Trump that boost in the polls. I think most likely Mitch has, has given up on, or at least in the back of his head, given up on Trump's election prospects because it is looking so dire in the polls and there's no reason to think why he would win. But that doesn't mean that he wouldn't, as a last-ditch attempt, give this stimulus package to try and, you know, Hail Mary pass it. And this story as well, this one really got to me because, you know, you see, like, I follow the politics quite closely and you hear a lot of these kind of fucked-up stories all the time coming through about what's happening in America. But this one was really, like, really dirty because it's just, like, at every level in both parties, with Trump, with Pelosi, and with Mitch McConnell, all three of them just don't give a shit. Just don't give a shit. This is all being timed so specifically to try and better their chances in the election. That's all they care about is power and money and making sure that their party, their team, keeps making the decisions. That's it. That's as far as the thinking goes. Trump is putting forward the stimulus package now, even though it's been required for months, even though Americans have been crying out for it for a very long time. He's putting it forward now strategically to time it with the election. Nancy Pelosi is blocking it because of the election and Mitch McConnell would pass it if it went through because of the election. And you have a very real possibility that if this stimulus package doesn't get passed and then Trump gets voted out and Biden comes in, Mitch McConnell will likely still control the Senate and then Biden would suggest something similar in terms of the stimulus Pelosi would okay it because now it's one of her team putting it forward. And then Mitch McConnell, because it's not his team putting it forward. Nah, nah, bro. Nah, nah. Can't okay that. Throws it in the bin. And then Americans are going to be struggling for another few months. It's just, it's just, very, it's disgusting. It's another reason why there needs to be wholesale reform in US politics and why... Wolfpack, which is the bill which is going to get money out of politics or is attempting to do that, is absolutely 100% necessary to pass before any kind of meaningful reform can go forward. They've said it a lot of times as well that this is the issue that affects all other issues, that everything that's going wrong in America right now, so much of it can be traced back to money and politics and corruption. And it also, it just makes it very partisan as well because these people, they get so much money in lobbying and getting money from the corporations via lobbying and getting it to the politicians through campaign donations or speeches um, that they give to corporations or to lobbyists. It incentivizes this structure of team building of like, okay, I'll scratch my back if you scratch yours. It's not actually about working together. It's about working against each other because it's a competition. It, it's like any business, competition is good for business. Um, 
yeah, I digress. Anyway, back to Joe Biden. So he's up at the moment heavy in the polls. There were a couple of CNN polls which came out last week which had him up six. I just burped because that number is so ridiculous. 16%. 16%, bro. Unheard of. I am happy that Biden's going to win it. But I'm not like, yay. I'm more like, cool. Good. Especially after watching some of the stuff that Trump said in the debate. And how he wouldn't denounce white supremacists. That's been the thing which people have been clinging on to quite a lot. Um, I'm not somebody who gets too riled up by you know, left-wing, right-wing, identity politics, partisan, focusing on small groups like the these Proud Boys who are a new kind of white-wing, white-wing, <laughs> right-wing, white supremacist group. But they are quite small still. They're not a big movement. I don't know what you classify as big, but they're certainly not causing a shit ton of issues ev- everywhere. Um, but yeah, Trump basically emboldened them and he wouldn't denounce them. And then he made a few comments about stepping down and how he's not guaranteeing that he's going to step down. All of these things are very troubling. And at a time where democracy is really a threat around the world, it's absolutely crucial that America is staying strong in that regard. And they're not having a guy in charge who's questioning the transition of power. And this is another thing that one of the main reasons why you don't see democracy flourishing in many parts of the world. It's not because there isn't the will for it. It's not because people don't want it. It's because the transition of power isn't stable. When a leader is leaving office, if they feel like the next person might not leave office or might kill them or imprison them when they get into power to cement their own power that fucks up everything it's the same it's just basic trust the same way you won't give somebody something if you think that they might not give it back it's the same with power is that we all have to have these democracies they rely upon people having faith that then that person will also step down eventually. You know, that's one of the reasons why I think American history is something to to use as an example because George Washington, who was the first US president, he could have become an absolute dictator. He had that level of power, he had that level of influence, he had that level of legitimacy as the US leader. But he chose to step down and give it to the next guy, and the next guy, and the next guy, and that set a precedent which has miraculously continued 250 years into the future. Um, And it's absolutely crucial that continues. So yeah, fuck Trump. Fuck all that. Biden 2020, I suppose. Doesn't mean I'd vote for him, but if you want to vote for him, go ahead. (laughs) Um, Another interesting thing that's been going on is censorship. Censor. That's Mark Zuckerberg as he's like up late at night in his fucking evil ivory tower with all the computer screens around him looking at everybody in the world. He's just picking picking things arbitrarily to censor that don't fit in with his narrative. <laughs> Anything that's, that might help help Trump against Joe Biden. I'm going to get rid of 
what do the people want me to do? I'll give a bit more context to that. So Hunter Biden, who is the much maligned, much mocked son of Joe Biden, um, the whole corruption scandal, uh, which came out during the impeachment trials last year, so the whole idea around that was that Trump was getting impeached um, because he had tried to make a backroom deal with Ukraine about Ukrainian aid against Russian intervention, something like that. I can't remember the exact details. Um, but along with that came out this other scandal that Joe Biden had been essentially acting in a very corrupt way by giving his son a position in a Ukrainian oil company, an energy company, where he was getting $50,000 a month to do basically nothing. And this was just this company, this Ukrainian firm, buying political influence by way of giving Joe Biden's son money. Because if you're in Joe Biden's good graces, then he will do things for you because he's a very powerful man. That's just how these forms of corruption work. It's commonplace in D.C. Um, But it's quite rare that you see such a flagrant abuse of power and instance of corruption as this was. And recently there was a there was a New York Times article which came out, I think it was last week, where they went further in depth into this story and about all of the instances of corruption. Um, but the interesting thing was they attached four pictures of Hunter Biden basically looking like a crackhead, like literally in bed with a crack pipe in his in his mouth or next to his mouth, pictures of him in the bathtub smoking fags, looking like an absolute king, by the way fucking so hard uh, we were talking about it me and my friends from london my friend adam was like it's so jokes because they think this is gonna like the republicans they're leaking these pictures thinking that it's gonna hurt the democrats everybody's gonna eventually vote democrat now man this guy's sick <laughs> he's smoking fags in the bath man he's a bad man <laughs> that like it's it does show their mentality of like oh this will get him Joe Biden's son smoked cigarettes and used to do drugs and you know that'll 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 make the Americans vote for Trump. Just total smoke and mirrors. Literally smoke and mirrors bullshit. Smoking smoking fags, taking selfies in the mirror. That's a good one. I should write that down somewhere. Um But yes, yeah, so all this came out and it was all over Facebook, all over Twitter, and then Facebook and Twitter started deplatforming it. And the reasons they were using was saying that, oh, this could be election meddling from the Russians. The Russians, they're back, spreading factual information to you about politicians. Be warned. Yeah, so they said, you know, we don't, this is, could potentially be meddling in the election. This is potentially bad. We're not going to have this, la-di-da-di-da. Total bullshit arguments. Um, I personally think that the real reason is because they saw these pictures as potentially harmful to the Biden campaign and the people who control social media, they're people who are, you know, neoliberal supporters of the Democrats and they will, they'll lean in on these arguments of, oh, this is potential interference and whatever. And because, you know, they probably believe some of this stuff genuinely or they choose to believe in it. It's like, oh, okay, that that suits my natural motives, so whatever. 
There's no reason to believe that. The same way with all of the Russiagate stuff in 2016. Everybody accusing Russia of meddling with the election, hacking the election, when actually it was it was majority WikiLeaks and the Mueller report concluded that there was no meddling in the election. Total bullshit. It was just actual factual corruption that had come out against Hillary, which did influence the erection. <laughs> the erection? <laughs> The election. Um, what was that? There was a debate where that happened, where the girl said erection. What was that? I think it was one of the primary debates. That was funny. Um, anyway, all of this stuff was happening on Facebook last week and Twitter. And it's just, it's really concerning to see this, this just blatant partisan censorship like, I, I don't think that these pictures should have been made public. He obviously didn't want them to be made public. It was probably hacked in some way. That's the funny thing is that they accuse these pictures of being, like, from Russian hackers. It's like they were from hackers, but they were from hackers who, you know, are trying to push a narrative of that he's a bad guy. But then it, you accuse these hackers of being Russian hackers to fit your narrative. So it's just like... People get in the gutter and they're like, oh, because, you know, you did this, then I'm going to do that. So you're both you're both fucking idiots. Um, but there's another instance of censorship this week. So a few days ago, Mark Zuckerberg came out and he said that he was going to start deplatforming people and censoring Holocaust denial on on Facebook. And I personally am a vehement believer in freedom of speech and i do not believe that anybody should denounce the holocaust or say it didn't happen but if you want to say that on facebook which is an open platform you should be able to say that and i don't understand why there's there is this bend nowadays and i saw this as well i don't i'm sure some of you listening saw the social dilemma which was the new netflix documentary which went in depth into how social media is controlling our lives and how it has completely gone out of control and how it's the business incentive within it is incredibly fucked up a bit like politics different kind of fucked up um but yes it was a really interesting documentary it's like an hour and a half long i'd recommend go watching it but with a pinch of salt one of the things i didn't like about it was the focus on fake news What I mean by that is there has, in the last four or five years, since the rise of Trump, really, <clears throat> been this inclination to believe that, you know, a lot of the problems that we face in the world, the radicalization, the polarization, that is the result of fake news. And fake news is, is lies online, and we need to get rid of it. And it's making people stupid and misinforming them, making them violent. Fake news has always been there there's always been fake news of one form or another it's just propaganda facebook twitter youtube they have given a new platform to fake news but that is part of the point of these social media platforms is they give a platform to everything no matter how stupid or incorrect it may be you can still say it on facebook because you might not like it i might not like it when somebody denies the holocaust on facebook but what's the alternative? That you have a ministry of truth 
controlled by Facebook and Twitter. Mark Zuckerberg deciding what is truth and what is not truth. And there seems to be like a really weird contradiction that I'm seeing a lot. And there was also espoused implicitly in the social dilemma by their calling for these leaders to do more in, you know, stopping fake news. And you saw Sasha Baron Cohen doing this whole big thing, which blew up like six months ago of, you know, Facebook needs to take responsibility for all the lies that's on Facebook. It's like, what is your logical conclusion here, bro? Everybody seems to agree that Mark Zuckerberg is a bad guy. So why is it that we want to make him the ultimate purveyor of what is truth and what is false? Like, and who who watches these people? Who decides what they're doing is truth? Where does it end? There is no end. It just ends in authoritarianism and the fucking thought police. And it's very concerning that more people don't see this because when I say, oh, people should be able to deny the Holocaust on Facebook, they go, what? what oh my god you're for holocaust i'm not for holocaust denial obviously i believe in the holocaust but i will also defend the right for somebody to say that retarded opinion that the holocaust didn't happen on facebook if they want to and if they want to make this horrendous opinion known to the world and get called out for it and shunned by their friends brilliant let them say it i want to know who these men are I could rant about that for for, for hours, but I, anyway, very troubling stuff. Um, and beyond that, what else have we seen in the last couple of weeks? A story which struck my attention yesterday um, was the fact that healthcare executives, healthcare billionaires, they've gotten $150 billion richer since the beginning of lockdown. And this is specifically in America I'm talking about. They did an analysis of the wealth at the start of March and the wealth now. And on average, um, well, I think it was cumulatively, 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 cumulatively sounds dirty, cumulatively sounds wrong, cumulatively. In total, (laughs) they've gotten $150 billion richer. And this is in a time where the American healthcare system has been flailing People have been getting uninsured because they no longer have employment. America has by far the highest death rate in the world from coronavirus. You'd think that like these people are struggling the same way the whole system is struggling, but no, 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 no. They're getting filthy rich. No, they weren't already filthy rich, but are now they're now filthier rich because the entire incentive structure is messed up. And the way these people make money is by denying Americans healthcare. Like that's literally how they pad their bottom line is by making sure that their investors and shareholders get maximum profit. And how do you get maximum profit when what you're selling is healthcare? You raise prices and deny coverage. So it's just a giant scam. And all of this illustrates it even more. And another reason why Medicare for all is absolutely essential. We're probably not going to get it in the next five to ten years but c'est la vie we need to make sure that the progressive movement is even stronger and a lot smarter than it was in 2020 2019 that's why we're hopefully going to get nina turner 2024 fingers crossed because that lady is a boss boss i'm gonna play you a clip of nina turner real quick 
is this this girl. She was one of the Bernie's main surrogates. She was a, an Ohio state senator, so for the state assembly in Ohio. I don't think she is anymore. I think she was. Maybe she still is. I'm not too sure. Um, but this lady, man, she's a boss. Boss. Hello, somebody. I saw her speak a few times when I was in Iowa campaigning. And she's just so good, man. She has this presence, this energy. And she's a very, very intelligent woman. She always, if you watch her interviews, it's it's flawless. Like there's a lot of progressive politicians I watch. And I watch them in interviews. I watch them giving speeches. I saw many of these people give speeches when I was in Iowa. And there's always something a bit off. There's always something like, I'm thinking, oh, I like what you're saying, but this could be better, this could be better. With Nina Turner, she was on the money in every regard. She has the right look. She has the right tone. She has the right talking points. She has the right everything. And that is what is needed to actually change America right now and take it take it by storm. Because as we saw this year in the primaries, they're not going to give it up without a fight. These people are dirty and they know how to play the game better than we do. Obama, Klobuchar, Pete Buttigieg, Joe Biden, they were not fucking around. They did not come here to lose. And Bernie, as much as I love him, didn't really come to win. He didn't really come to play the game. But Nina, she was one of the people in his close circle. So she was one of his main surrogates, one of his main advisors. She was screaming at him for months. Call him out. Tell America that Biden will not beat Trump. Tell America that Biden is a sham. But he never did that because Bernie likes Joe Biden and their friends. And he was never actually prepared to do what it takes to grab power. And he's not hes not a great politician. He's a great man. He's a great leader. He's a inspirational figure for our generation. But he's not a great politician. And that will be his... His legacy in many ways, which is which is quite sad. Um, but I think with Nina Turner, we have a much more realistic chance of getting somewhere. I suppose that is it, ladies and gents. Um, did I have any more stories that I wanted to cover? I don't really think so. I wanted to play the Nina Turner clip. Uh, let me play that for you now. Let me just check my notes real quick. What else did I want to talk about? I guess Biden's tax plan was a bit interesting. This got released yesterday. So Biden's tax plan is very progressive. Um, he's going to be raising taxes on the top 5%, lowering taxes on the bottom 95%. Great stuff. I thought it was worth a mention. Um, but at the end of the day, this is his plan. And being able to get this through Congress requires a lot of political capital. And I don't think that he will actually do it. So this all looks good on paper, credit where credit's due. But is it going to happen? Probably not, in my opinion. Um, but it's always better than having no progressive tax plan. Another thing which bodes much less positively for the Biden administration is his cabinet picks were leaked. Allegedly, alleged cabinet picks were leaked by Politico. And Politico are very well-respected establishment news outlet. Um, so it's quite possible that whoever was reporting on it, Politico has contacts high up in the Biden campaign, whisper in the ear here or there. Um, and they said 
all of the picks that he was lining up for Secretary of State, Secretary of Treasury, all of these different high-level positions in the cabinet. And surprise, surprise, they are all neoliberal shills, people who have had terrible records. I think one of the cabinet positions was the main architect of NAFTA, which, of course, was the North Atlantic Free Trade Arrangement, um, which basically exported all of America's industry, made a lot of Latin America into client states to America in an economic sense. Um, you know, on paper, it always gets lauded as a success because free trade creates more GDP, but in real terms, it doesn't actually help either partners when there's such a dramatic imbalance in the productivity, sorry, not the productivity, but the, the prices of the states because now, you know, it's happened in the 90s under Bill Clinton and the other uh, democratic neoliberals where they started to export all of the industry and producers in michigan minnesota wisconsin they were all saying to themselves well why would i pay an american factory worker 16 bucks an hour when i can get it done in in tijuana for five where's the logic there so what you saw was a mass exodus of industry in america a lot of basically slave condition factories opening up in Latin America, a lot of disillusionment and poverty happening amongst the middle class and the working classes in the States. And then you get people like Trump coming into power. So the guy who was the chief architect of that, he is probably going to be in a Biden administration. Um, the guy who convinced Obama to intervene in Libya, um, and Libya is now a failed state where apparently there are child sold at market bit like South Sudan, um, just completely f fucking horrendous classic intervention, um, classic example of American interventionism leading to mass poverty and horrendousness, just no words for, for Libya really. Um, yeah, that guy. So he wants to be secretary of state. So it's not looking good for Biden administration. Obviously, no Bernie Sanders, no progressive politicians there. Sad times, sad times. But, you know, this is what you get. And I suppose it is better than all of the people in Trump's administration. But yeah, on a more positive note, we're going to end the podcast now. And with a hello, somebody from Nina Turner. So this is Nina Turner's classic hook line. This is why she's such a hype gal. She comes out. Everything she says, she's like, she's like, three million individual contributions in January. Hello, somebody. Bernie Sanders, only only presidential candidate to never accept cultural contributions. Hey, hello, somebody. Just getting it. Everyone's fucking moshing in the crowd, like losing it. But yeah, I've been Felix Fiasi. This has been Party Roulette. I do thoroughly hope you've enjoyed listening. Um, if you are going to vote, make sure you vote. Um, in the next couple of weeks, get their mail-in votes in. And yeah, you will hear from me next on election day. Take care. Oh, this looks jokes. Hello, somebody with Nina Turner. I was doing my usual people raising on the campaign trail. Just really felt such an energy from the crowd that I really leaned into the call and response tradition of the black church. Second and most important, we can't ask other folks to do more for us than we are willing to do for ourselves. Hello, somebody. Hello, somebody.
my soul to my mind and out of my mouth hello somebody you know i wanted some response i wanted people to to amen that basically you know amen is used often in many churches but especially in the black church because of the call and response tradition i may be poor, I may be poor. but i am somebody i may be on come on come on hello somebody there will be surprises there will never well i won't say never but there will rarely be a dull moment as as you listen to hello somebody whatever feeling whatever experiences people are going through i want them to find in hello somebody uh, a source of uplift and support and shout out and to really feel like they can carry on and carry on in a very big way. Hey, this is Danny Glover, and you're listening to Hello Somebody. Hello Somebody. Yeah, okay. I am Susan Sarandon. Hello Somebody. Hello Somebody. Hey, what's up? It's Michael Rinder, also known as Killer Mike, and you're listening to me on Hello Somebody. Well, it's Major Mr. This Is Why I Love You, and you're listening to Hello Somebody. Hello Somebody. Yeah. Everybody is somebody, so hello somebody.